Hello there everyone and welcome to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast. To my left is, as usual, is my host Felipe Amorim. How's it going man? All good man. Hello everyone. It's good, yeah. We, we, we're sat here again after a gig, um, the morning after. It's coffees today. Not beer, coffee, unfortunately. So coffee day today. Instead, <laughs> it was a late one last night, wasn't it? Yeah. So instead of the ceremonial cracking of the beer, we'll do a clink of the coffee cups. The cheers. Yeah, Let's get the episode quiet, started. Isn't it? it is. It yes, <laughs> doesn't sound very rock that, and roll. But that, that reflects the post gig day, <laughs> the morning waking up. And he's got some. He's got another gig later, not with me, and um, with another band. So he's got. A, you're on the coffee. Yeah. yeah he was. Like, he, he, listen. He's rock and roll through and through. He said, "Laz, give me four beers." I said, "Felipe, you need to. You got a gig later on, mate. You know, and it's nine thirty in the morning." Yeah. <laughs> Coffee's good for the podcast. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. Excellent. Well, today's episode is going to feature discussions and, well, that's it really, isn't it? Discussions about the band Guns N' Roses. Um, would you like to kick off about Guns N' Roses? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think they, they are so essential to rock and roll history, even if you don't like them. Um Everyone knows about Guns N' Roses. Everyone knows about their stories. Everyone and knows one song. Their, yeah, one at song least. at least. And, um, you know, all the the um, all, all the crazy stuff they did, etc. So um, I think they were important because they, I think the first album was released in 1987. You correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right, yeah. Appetite um, for Destru- Destruction. Appetite for Destruction. And it was the best-selling album of uh, best-selling debut album of all times by that point. So and, and ultimately, it is their most famous album, isn't it? It is still, yes. I think it is. Well, you you can argue that Usual Illusion is, is another um, really famous one. So I think I, those, yeah. those two, well, three, because Usual Illusion is, is a double mm. album. But, yeah, so the, the, by the time they came about, how many bands were that rock and roll? To be honest, well, that's interesting. The end of the eighties, they, they formed in the mid eighties. Yeah. But the first album, like you said, was eighty seven. And the things I was I was finding out when I was doing my research is that rock and roll had become really stagnant in mm. the early eighties. Um, you have to think. You know, I look at things like the death of John Bonham. Yeah. And although it's it's just one band member, you have to think. You know, what kind of what what kind of impact does that have on a genre of music oh, when of- the gods of rock and roll, Led Zeppelin. The drummer dies. Like, yeah. that's a big thing. And I'm not saying just Bonham dying is the reason for rock and roll becoming a bit boring in the 80s, but well, John Zepp- Lennon there was died. no more Zeppelin, yeah. You know, John Lennon died. Yeah, exactly. So well. some of those bands, they were retiring. Some of the, you know, the classic rock bands yeah. were, uh, um, you know, kind of ending their careers. And um, loads of rock bands were becoming pop bands, you know, change of the style, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, to, I Are mean, they, Queen. Queen, yeah. Ex- that's the first thing, you know, you guys, Genesis, remember, you know, you guys remember episode two, we talked about Queen and how they moved with the times. And although you could consider them a hard rock band in the 70s, in the 80s, they were almost definitely a pop a rock pop band. band yeah. But they did what they had to do to stay with their time, pay their rent. You know, they yeah. were proper musicians. And then you have like Genesis went through the same sort of thing from being a progressive rock band in the 70s to be a pop band in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so that happened to loads of bands. So rock but was becoming pop, or can I add something else to what rock was becoming? You have to remember in the early eighties, that's when two things occurred: thrash metal, so yeah. Metallica coming out in I think it was like eighty two, Metallica formed the new wave of British heavy metal that was also occurring. Yeah. In the so 80s. you had, so as I say, you had heavy metal and you had um, pop. Yes. But uh, hard rock, because you can call them a hard rock band. And they, uh, you didn't have many of those around. No. And also, 
Um, you got to consider that they look like uh, rock heroes. They look like the Rolling Stones. They look yeah, like yeah. Um, Aerosmith. There's loads of Aerosmith elements to their music. I'll, I'll dare to say that. Um, so, yeah, they had the look and they had the sound of classic hard rock yeah. um, in, in, in the end of the 80s and beginning of the 90s. So that's really important, I guess, for the rock industry to have a, 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 a best-selling album like Appetite for Destruction yeah. and a solid touring band like Guns N' Roses, like representing uh, heavy rock or hard rock at that time, I think was really important. And the fact that they were so popular all around the world in Japan and in Europe and they were kind of carrying the flag of rock and roll, I guess. Yeah, no, it's that true. That was really important. Um, the, so the members of Guns N' Roses, they were um, Axl Rose was on vocals, uh, Slash was on guitar uh, or lead guitar. So is he? Say again, Soul that's his name, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yes, Slash. He was born in London. He was born in the UK. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly but where he's but he American. was born. Well, yeah, I think he lived most of his life in America. Yeah. He moved to America very, very young. I don't know what. Yeah. Don't know what age. So that's Axel on vocals, Slash, Saul Hudson on lead guitar. Uh, it's, it's Izzy Stradlin on rhythm guitar, Duff McKagan on bass, and Stephen Adler was the first drummer. But why don't you talk to us a bit about their second drummer, Matt Sorum? Because well, Matt he's Sorum a... was great. Just one thing before that, as they they had another lineup before. The lineup that recorded the album before oh, really? they actually yeah okay. signed with the label. They had other other uh, uh, band members, um, and you know Slash wasn't part of the the, the original lineup. So he oh wow, can other, you imagine? Yeah. yeah. So Axel Rose is effectively the only guy who has been in Guns N' Roses since the beginning. It is his yeah, project. We'll, we'll come so when people later. yeah, when people <laughs> criticize that, it's, it is his project. No, it uh, is. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, you, you said Matt Sorum. So obviously, they, that's the other thing about them. They had many lineup changes. Yeah. I think it's something around 17 musicians that played in the band or something oh, wow. like that. And the only constant uh, was Axl Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so they, they've changed a lot. Uh, but you can clearly associate uh, Duff and Slash as part of the image of the band, I think. Yeah, they, yeah. So when they now touring uh, with Axo, Duff and Slash, you, you can see, well, that's Guns N' Roses, you know. Mm. Um, I think it's it, it does please the, the, the fans quite a lot. But um, how do you keep a band going with all those lineup changes? So you need kind of a, uh, um, how can I put it, a solid concept behind yeah. it. And obviously you need a strong voice to lead them. And Axel Rose's voice is so easy to recognize. That's the other element about them. Yeah. You, you 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 hear his voice like, oh, that's Axel. Yeah. You know, yeah, straight away. That's distorted, aggressive rock and roll vocal style. And it's not he's not clean, you know, when he's singing. No. It, it's it's aggressive. So um and I think that's one of the main characteristics of their the music is Axel's voice. And you said something about his voice like being um, um, the higher and lower things. Yeah, they, yeah. We were chatting about it this yesterday on the way back home from the gig. One thing I noticed when I was analysing how much I like Guns N' Roses was that the songs that mattered to me, the songs that I enjoyed, were the ones where Axel did his high register voice. Yeah, I don't need no civil war. And I don't oh, really... you sound just like him. Yeah, with a cold. Yeah, this is Axel. <laughs> well, I could be an impersonator. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the way it's sweet, that when he does yeah. that, that high register voice, and I don't really enjoy the songs where he sings in his low 
But that's uh, the thing. But that's the thing. The contrast between the low and high is what makes his voice special. It has such yeah. a huge no, 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 that's vocal absolutely range, fair. you know. Yeah. Because if he was singing on the high pitch all the time, it gets annoying sometimes. You know? And it's yeah. like it does. Also, you have that contrast in that songs like Civil War starts very quiet and builds up, and when he gets to the high part, exactly. part of Civil War it has more of an impact. And you see how, it? and you see how the band follows that. You know, you have all those like uh, um, clean guitar sounds. And it's low intros and it builds up and it's like a punch in your face when it gets to the chorus. Yeah, no, so they right, do yeah. that in a lot of songs. Um, but then for people like me, that just makes the song... His high voice is so good and I love hearing it that I will sit through a verse of his not high voice to get to that chorus. Yeah. Which I know it sounds like really pedantic, sounds like I'm being really picky, but in the end you like what you like and I don't like his low voice. But as I just said, I would listen to the low voice in order to hear him belt that final chorus yeah. in his high voice. It's a build up, isn't it? That's the yeah. thing. And, and, and I believe that... A, a journey. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. A journey. A song a is journey. a journey. Yeah. Um, and you've got to be with them the whole way through. And how, you know, how well do the musicians work around that? So if you listen to... Uh, Dove's bass sound is very characteristic as well. Yeah. You know, the way he plays the bass. And also his last guitar player, of course. Everyone knows the guitar solos. Everyone can kind of sing the guitar solos. Yeah, that's very they true. are a they are part of the music. Uh his last one said in an interview he didn't want solos to be just like uh, him showing off. He wanted the solo to be part of the composition. So it's just like, yeah. you know, so it's like a violin melody in, in an orchestra, you know, it's, it, that's that's what it is. But that's interesting. No, no, you're absolutely right, because uh, that's always how I view solos. I mean, different people and different musicians will view solos differently. Um, for example, Frank Zappa said that the, the purpose of his solos is to give the audience members something different every night. So he improvised solos every night, um, and he said he hates all the solos that he's put on an album because he knows he could do it better eventually, yeah. or he, he would come up with... So if he's recorded a solo on a song and they go and gig that song two weeks later, he'll improvise a solo better than what he put on the record. Yeah. So Zappa didn't like solos being organized and having a direction but slash does yeah and i think that's common with rock and roll well, you know you could sing jimmy page solos well jimmy page he he, he did improvise some of the solos yeah. in the studio as well he would try loads of takes until find one but it would be an improvised take sometimes whilst slash is a guy who writes the solos he, is that it, true it's, that's it, well it's a composition yeah. what is there no, is like right. when he plays them live like switch out of mind you can you can play that solo note by note um, I think it should be played note by note if you, if you're playing a, in a yeah. tribute band or a covers band, you want to do that kind of music. Do you know? Can I say something yeah. that really winds me up? I was listening to the radio the other day. <laughs> oh my goodness! And it was I, Radio Two, BBC. Hang your heads in shame. The guy, <laughs> the guy. I don't know who was on. He said, "Okay, and now we got a few Guns and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine." And I looked at the clock. It was about ten thirty, and then at about ten thirty three. They cut the solo in half, and he, and as the solo's coming to an end, the guy starts talking over it and goes, yes, here we are, that's, that's Guns N' Roses, Axel and Slash doing their thing. Let's the solo go on for 10 more seconds, then he comes in again. Next up, we got for you some this, that, and the other. I thought, fucking hell, just leave it. Like, not, not only has he spoken over the solo, but, do you know, this is what is in, this is what I feel is the, not the difference, but something that a stark <clears throat> contrast between... I don't want to generalise and say people who listen to the radio and people who listen to the, to the music. Album. Well, you can. But we 
we were left, I was, and I'm sure other people were left disappointed because, like you said, I know the, the solo of Sweet Child of Mine, yeah. note for note, I can sing it. So when I hear the song, I want to hear it. Man, when November Rain uh, you know, came out, there was a radio edit without the guitar solo. It oh, simply chopped no. the whole guitar solo. Oh, it's, like, no. it's like, what? what you But see how important <laughs> it is. So, like, like, it's like yeah. cutting a verse from a Queen yeah. song. It's like cutting it's, a exactly. verse of Freddie. Yeah. How dare you cut yeah, we don't a need solo those lyrics. Slash. Just yeah. remove that part. <laughs> uh, so that, that what I want to say about this is like, uh, although... Uh, some people say Slash is overrated, this and that, because they analyze it under a technical point of view. Think yeah. about him as a musician, as a composer, okay, because that's what he is. He's, yeah. he's not, sometimes not in charge of writing the song, the lyrics and the melody, but his guitar parts are so essential to the songs that you can't imagine them without without the guitar. So, no, you're and you're like, right. well, as as we as we just said, if you cut the guitar solo, you get really annoyed. Like, I want to hear mm. the guitar solo. I want to hear. It. And and sometimes you can play really long solos, and it, as you said, it takes you on a journey. Yeah, you want to be there. But that's what it is to be a band: is to yeah. appreciate every instrument in the band and know that every instrument in the band is doing its job. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you talked yeah. about the the fact that they they you know. Um, they changed lineups. They had other people mm. in the band, and but I think Durf and Slash are almost Constance, as important as Axel. Yeah, yeah as Axel, and also. I think that's interesting that you say that about a bass player because I can listen. I fully, you know, I, I, I think Duff's a great bass player, but of all the instruments that I'd expect people to say what you just said, yeah, I think in in terms of what's priorities, you know, vocals first, then lead yeah. guitar. Then I'd imagine drums. Of course, yeah. But you drums on top of everything. No, but you know course. what I mean. As in, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned a bass player because even mm. you got to think about things like you know the rock music and the way that it was mixed. I mean, even up until today, the bass sits very low in the mix. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, it's very interesting that you've chosen a bass player who plays very well, but in a busy band. Yeah. As an integral part of Guns N' Roses. I think it is. Yeah, and no, I agree. If, it's you just look, if you look at any of their live performances, also here there's some some lead vocals as well. But if you look at that, their live performances, he's part of the image of the band. Absolutely, he's, he's so yeah. rock and roll. Probably the most rock and roll guy in the band, you know. <laughs> and yeah, 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 you've got to have him. Well, um, talking to Sweet Child of Mine, that was actually the first single that bread the success for Guns N' Roses to come. And it has such a simple video, isn't it? It's just them it, playing. It is, isn't it? It's yeah. nothing. It's all about the music. How good is that? Um, that's Yeah, exactly. Well, after that song, so one year after that song was released, they released the album Appetite for Destruction, which it did really well. Um, yeah. And it's a great album. It's mind-blowing. It? I mean, for the time, you know, all those songs, um, you know, really, like I said, it's a it's a punch in your face. No, it's really yeah. strong, loud rock and roll, distorted yeah. guitars. And they had the proper attitude, you know, heavy drinkers and all that stuff. Yeah. They were like... Let's talk about their attitude. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say quickly, the Appetite for Destruction went to number one, number one. straight away. And it is the... I, I was reading... Well, hold on. It's the... Wait, let me check my notes. It's the seventh highest selling album of all time in the USA. That's mental, isn't That's it? Crazy, That's crazy though. I think, you, know, rock you think about Dark in Side the, of the Moon. The 80s. Yeah. <laughs> talking about dark, think about when we talked about Dark Side of the Moon and how many that sold around the world. Well, do you Put know it how in perspective many... to think Appetite for Destruction is the seventh highest selling album in the USA. And overall, Guns N' Roses have sold 
over 100 million albums. Yes. Like all the albums all over the world. So like that is insane. 45 million in the US alone. That's so, half of their sales. Yes, yeah. That's they, important, yeah. Yeah, it is. So they were a very American band, weren't they? They were, they were, because they, they, they have, you know, you can hear the influence of, of Rolling Stones and, and, and other stuff, but... Um, I think there's even a bit of Ozzy Osbourne in there some, somewhere in their music. I, I, but think, I think there's a bit of country as well. Do you hear it? That I, I don't mean country. I'm trying to think of... Uh, um, I'm thinking Lynyrd Skynyrd. Yeah, yeah. That kind southern, of country rock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Southern blues country Yeah, there is a bit thing. of that as well. Sleazy, sure. gritty, dark, you know. Yeah, very American. As yeah, absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, and obviously it's a bigger market than, than anywhere else in the world for, for yeah. rock. But uh, the, the numbers are... Uh, for anyone who who considers to think that they are not that important for rock and roll, just you know think again because it, it, in the late eighties and nineties for a band to sell you know hundred million albums in a chart um, that is yeah. dominated by pop music yeah. that we you know we said those rock bands of the seventies that were adjusting they went and wrote pop. The 80s was full of experimental electronic music, yeah. wasn't it? And, they, and the I, charts oh, were busy with it. So for that, Guns N' Roses to stand out. That is a really, really strong point there because they, they, they were not messing about, were they? It's just like guitar, guitar, yeah. bass, drums, vocals. It took a while that's for them to the, add a keyboard player. It's that's the really embodiment of rock and roll, yeah. those instruments. And so, we, like Felipe said, you have to commend Guns N' Roses for... I mean, I mean, I don't know if they actually said this, but you kind of get the impression they're like, guys, <laughs> rock and roll's dying. <laughs> we yeah. need to do something about it, and they did. That and after, yeah, and and <coughs> and they were not afraid to change and try different things. After Appetite, they came up with is it Lies as the second album? Yes, yeah. And you have Patience, which is just this love ballad with no drums, just just acoustic guitars, a fantastic video for the time, and. Again, a not a hit. Yeah, an and I think that one it? that was that was uh, uh, um, I think the importance of that song is it, it reached out to literally everyone, like because it's not a rock song, it's not heavy. Yeah. So they proved they could do a kind of a pop ballad. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. And again, a nice uh, solo by Slash. Even with the acoustic setup, he he managed to to come up with a really uh, a remarkable solo, and. All their elements are there somehow, mm. even in an acoustic song. And you have Axel like shouting at the end, and uh, you know, and uh, singing a stronger uh, uh, vocal line at the end. And it's interesting you said about because because something that Guns N' Roses have been attributed with is repopularizing the power ballad. Yeah, which they did so many. I mean, think you could even Don't consider. Cry. Yeah, but I'd say even to an extent, you could call Civil War a power ballad. Yeah, November could. Rain as November well. Rain. Um, but at a time where those ballads, in an era where they'd gone, Guns N' Roses bring them back. Yeah, and it reminds sorry, me. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. Take, but making them fresh, not 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 copy and pasting from you know the end of the seventies. No, no, not so. Yeah, making it their own. It's something that Scorpions did really well, like a heavy band playing love ballads in you know. Any really song high. we can put in the playlist of Scorpions. Um, well, uh, still loving you. Okay, it's cool. it's you know that'll be that'll be available for you to hear in the playlist, guys. Which should be at the bottom of the show notes. Click the link, and you'll be taken straight to the yeah. Spotify playlist of all the songs we mentioned in this episode. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because um, Scorpions did that really well. White Snake, for instance, you know, mm. Here I Go Again. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, those bands they were heavy bands that could write really really good ballads mm. and. and 
you know, anyone can listen to that stuff. So those what songs can, can play in the radio. I was going to ask you, what's the difference for you between those bands, between your uh, Scorpions, your Def Leppard, uh, your White Snake, and your Guns N' Roses? Because interestingly, uh, again, I don't know where this is. What, what we do, just a little little quick break, is we record episodes and we try and get as many as we can done when we have time so we've got a couple of hours this morning to record so I, we don't no we don't do these in order <laughs> yeah so I, we might do this episode uh, and although we recorded an episode a week ago this one might be released before the other one so i don't know which order that's going to be in but eventually or it's already there we do an episode about classic rock with our guest and our friend johnny della and i i clump all of those bands when we talk about what we think classic rock is. And for me, all those bands I just said, White Snake, um, Scorpions, Journey, Def Leppard, and Guns N' Roses, I consider them to be the heart of what classic rock means. So for you, what sets, not what sets them apart, but what are the differences between Journey, White Snake, Def Leppard, etc., and Guns N' Roses. Well, or, or is there a difference? There is, yeah, of course. I, I, I think you can't tell that Guns N' Roses are not from the same era than, than, than those bands. You know, they. Yeah, uh, but it, it's a tough question because I think what makes them special is the things we're talking about. You know, the, the guitar solos, Axel's voice. You know, like really remarkable vocal style. Yeah, and they do have elements of classic rock, but they were not. You know doing that in the 70s so they have loads of elements from the 70s but they were doing that in you know 80s and 90s yeah which i think is it's what sets them apart from the other guys they do remind me a lot of aerosmith um you know in many ways but it's it's tough man it's not 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 a simple question but i think they can be considered classic rock yeah now because because for me, classic is anything that stands the, the, the test of time, isn't it? Yeah. You've no, survived right, yeah. all those years and what you've done is still relevant for the industry and for the fans. And whatever they decide to do is going to sell millions. Yeah. Literally, exactly, whatever yeah. they do is going to sell millions. So that's how strong the brand Guns N' Roses is, how mm. important for the rock and roll industry but they are. Something interesting that I feel like I identified is that Again, I know we're saying that those bands I mentioned, they started a lot earlier than yeah. Guns N' Roses, but there is a huge difference. Actually, I, I can't think of anyone, rock and roll or not, that had the same attitude as Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Because if you remember back to episode one, we were talking that rock and roll, we, we consider it, we came away saying rock and roll is musical freedom, but at the same time, it's an attitude, it's a culture, it's a way of life. Yeah. And Guns of Roses, pro Guns and Roses, probably of all rock bands I can think of, are one of the most rock and roll bands in terms of attitude. Yeah, they did everything wrong in terms of <laughs> that they were they they were not glorifying drugs, but they were openly smoking and taking yeah. stuff. They were openly getting drunk. They were openly misogynistic and sexist. You know their videos with women in next to nothing. The which, song, at the, which at the time was was more like commonplace than it is now, you know. Like yeah, you, you're having models in video clips and stuff like that. It was more like um, the image of them. Yeah, yeah. Know. But the fact that they were like the rock gods and the girls were there, uh, you know, yeah. surrounding them, wanting to be around them. They, yeah, that's proper, you know, rock, rock and roll for the, for for that time. I would say there's a song called "One in a Million, which Axl Rose. Has, even today comes under heavy fire for writing because um, 
I don't I don't know the the reason of the song. I think he was pissed off because something like a rival band did something or an ex-girlfriend cheated on him or something. And he writes this song in which he um insults every uh I'm trying to think of the, the way to categorize it. Everybody. He uses racial slurs, um, he uses homophobic language, yeah. um, he uses just insults, you know, swear words. Um that that's rock and roll, but well, to, to quite a dark extent because he got so heavily criticized for it. You can't play that song on the radio. No, it, I, I've read that even fans skip it on the album because it's not a nice song to listen to. It's not something to. you want to listen no, to. Exactly. But on the other hand, those, uh, you know, that kind of attitude exists. There's people yes. out there who would say those things. Yeah. And someone turned that into music. Well, it's so an expression it's, it's, of an yeah, art it's form. Al- yeah, it's almost like saying you cannot pretend that this kind of thought doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm going to shout it to your face. Yeah. Uh, if he if he intended to say that in a, as a way to show that this is a character or you know that I've created saying those things, that is obviously more acceptable than saying, "Oh, this is what I think." That's true. But in yeah. any case, yeah. in any case, so regardless, I don't I don't know Axel Rose. I can't speak for him. Yeah. Uh, so in any case, I'd say that it, it's a reality. You know, it's a reality. People think like that. Yeah. Some well, people just think gonna... like that. It's, it, it's in the music. And we cannot pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. But um, it, the other song he did, which I think is uh, um, the same line, is uh, "Getting the Ring" from "Get uh, in the Ring." Yes, which is him like is like calling for a fight, really, oh, and really? is literally mentioning names of journalists and, and people who criticize him. Oh wow! So it's like yeah, but, but it's isn't like, is that not rock and roll? That well, that what that is. You yeah. know, Queen Queen did it in nineteen seventy five with Death on Two Legs, where they were slaying the record label for trying to take too much money. That's a consistent thing of rock and roll, calling out people and saying, I don't like you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they had that. They were not afraid of being criticized by that kind of stuff. But also, you know, they, they I think they knew they would be remembered by the, the power ballads and, and the guitar solos. And there's loads of swearing in the words as well. But yeah, they, yeah. They, they wouldn't. They were not afraid of doing those things. Uh, lots of people dislike Axel because of his attitude. And there's, again, to... to kind of sum up the whole attitude thing we're talking about. Um, I read this interview with uh, Matt Sorum, um, who joined them in uh, in 1990 or 91 for User Illusion and then staying in the band for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Matt Sorum said that uh, Axo would be late for gigs on purpose. He was there, but he wouldn't turn up. Mm-hmm. Maybe stay in the green room or stay... In a hotel, he wouldn't turn up, and he would delay the start of the show on purpose in in order to to make the audience and the band members angry. That's really interesting. And he said, like, he would do that on purpose. And Matt Sorrow was like, at the time, he said he was pissed about it. Like, why are you doing this to us? You know, we're working for you. He was a, he was a session guy. So mind you, m- loads of people who've been uh, in Guns N' Roses, they were not members of the band okay officially they were hired by axel rose yeah right so um matt matt Sorum was one of them and he was like okay uh it's like i'm working for you dude i'm a session guy i know mm. how to do my job i'm prepared i want to play my gig and where where, where the fuck are you yeah <laughs> and axel wouldn't turn up and then he said looking back he he thought he finally understood now what what axel wanted 
He wanted them to be angry, to show that anger in the music. He That's wanted really he wanted the performance to be <laughs> well, full actually, long rock and roll. <laughs> what I'm going to do right now is just quick. I'm going to introduce a segment because it's relevant. So um, right. I, it's going to be different because I'm introducing my own one, but I have to do it oh, now because it's relevant. There's so, one. Yeah, you do it. There you oh, go. I'm going to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, last unleashed. Great. So, like I said, it's completely relevant. In this in this episode's Laz Unleashed, here is what I want to say. I don't care how rock and roll it is. You should never leave fans waiting for the amount of time that Axel leaves the fans waiting. He once didn't turn up for a show in Vancouver, and what you said was meant to happen, happened. They rioted. Do you know that? Really? <laughs> in Vancouver, they rioted. Whoa. The fans rioted because he didn't turn up. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, these people have jobs. They've got families. They've got trains waiting to take them home. But that's not rock and roll. No, no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> but no, but I imagine parents taking their kids to see Guns and Roses, and I imagine um, you know if the mum takes the son to see Guns and Roses, and the dad's like, "You've got to be back by eleven because he's got school tomorrow." If, if Axel you know, doesn't turn up till five past eleven, then the kid's not getting home till three a.m. And I know it's a rock and roll image to turn up late, but I think the fans deserve more. So I'm sorry, Axel, but on Laz Unleashed, um, yeah, I, I can't. You, you, oh, it, it fans is. like that owe the fans for it's their popularity. Exactly, it's the seventh highest selling album ever in the U.S. You owe the fans as much as just turning up on time. Axel. And every every tour they do is going to sell out. We yeah, know that. And the exactly. thing the thing about that is he wants. To, I think you know. Um, it's just an opinion here. I think what he wants to feel like is in power. You know, he's in charge. He's got mm. power. Uh, yeah. Because like, okay, I'm going to decide when the whole thing starts and when the whole thing ends. Yeah. And one thing that Slash said uh, by the you know. By the end of his time with Guns N' Roses, or the first time he's been to Guns N' Roses, yeah, uh, he was um, he was a bit upset with the fact that for him the band became a dictatorship. That's what he said. Yeah. It's like Axel would sit there and watch them jamming and wouldn't say a thing, and then he would come up with his own ideas. Oh, this is how I want. I imagine. I imagine it'd be like. <laughs> can yeah. you imagine Axel sat in the corner, Slash yeah. is playing a riff, and Axel goes. I've just come up with an idea for a riff, and it's the same one Slash is doing. <laughs> That's what a dictator does, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you know. So the riff goes dun da da dun da da. Slash was like, no, I just did. That. No, no, no. I, I just thought of that. That's the new song. <laughs> that's the new song. <laughs> uh, probably, I think that's uh, so. Apparently, like uh, you know, some of those guys they just couldn't. Uh, you know, stand his attitude. Yeah. That's and that's why. Uh, do you think the, that's the response? Do you think that's why the lineup changes were so seventeen different yeah, members? That's a lot. Yeah, and also, you know, if you're in a rock band, you want to contribute somehow, and you feel yeah. like you're a member of the band for the audience. I guess that's that's an interesting thing now because Guns N' Roses has become this massive enterprise. Mm. Uh, it's it's a company. It, it it's a business. Yeah, and it's been touring the world for you know ages. Yes, yeah. and. You don't want to stop that, you know, and if you're in charge of it, like Axel Rose is, you just want to keep the business running. So we mm. have the business side of it, uh, which some people don't don't get it, and you have people working for their business. The musicians are part of it. But yeah. as as a rock fan, you see the musicians as as you know all responsible for the yeah, music you're exactly. hearing on the album. You want to see a band on stage, yeah. everyone playing, but, interacting, and what 
when you have just one guy in charge and the other guys are kind of hired by him, which happened with the other lineups, um, it doesn't feel like a rock band, does it? Didn't we talk about that with Credence? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In episode four, we did Credence and we learned that John Fogerty essentially became the dictator of Credence. And that didn't last too long, uh, as in Greek Credence the band, but the hits were there. Yeah, the well, the same, coming same out. thing as Roger Waters with Pink Floyd. Yep. There's always someone who knows they're really creative and they can't do stuff, so they take over. So, but it's it's there's a fine line, isn't it? For, from like being clever and stupid. <laughs> clever and stupid. <laughs> we, we will always try and get a Spinal Tap reference in. We've made it. Today. Yeah, we did it today. Uh, <laughs> so it's like to to get someone like um, uh, you know as clever as it. Roger Waters or John Fogerty and, and Axel Rose, get those people to listen to the others and collaborate with them when sometimes they have a clear picture of what they want. Yeah, it can be so hard. It can be it. hard. And I think just to mention, um, I think for me, the best thing they do, for, for those of you who don't know Guns N' Roses that well, I recommend Usual Illusion, the second album, uh, which for me is the best thing they've done. That's they perfect re- to but, come on to it now. We'll talk yeah, about that now. They released those two albums at the same time, you know? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, the thing is, is we're talking about the rock and rollness and the drugs. It was good for the image and it was good for the first album and for the first tours, but it ended up making Stephen Adler not be able to play his instrument. So yeah. in 1990, they fired Stephen Adler for the amount of drugs he was taking. Uh, actually, well, do you know what? <laughs> Knowing them, it probably wasn't firing for the amount he was taking, yeah. but the way that he was playing after taking those drugs. Exactly. Loads of bands, you know, you just look at Pink Floyd, the Beatles, they could take a lot of drugs and play their music really well, but for some people, it, it just work. doesn't work. Yeah. So Stephen Adler, they fired him, and then a year later, they released Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. So and then, talk yeah. to us a bit about those albums. They're so really you, good, important albums, aren't they? Yes, you have... Uh, um, so that's the first, like, uh, lineup that um, the, the public got to know, because yeah. when they became famous with that lineup, uh, he included Slash and Duff and Stephen Adler and uh, Easy on guitar. And now, um, suddenly, they don't have the original drummer, I don't think anyone cared about that anyway. No. You know, he wasn't that important in terms of the image of the band and all the stuff. And they got Matt Sorum, which they saw playing live with The Coat. And it was such a great session drama. He could do the job and he had the look for the band as well. So they got him and, you know, he literally joined the band uh, in studio to record an epic album. Wow. So, uh, yeah, not an easy uh, task, isn't it? They, they were jamming in the stu- in their rehearsal rooms, but they had so much content. That's why Use Your yeah. Illusion. It was planned to be one album, right? But and they had so much content that it became two. double LPs. No way, really? It is. So it's two... Double LPs. So it's like four it's albums. Insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Release it. But the way they release it as well, is, it's uh, think about it, uh, it's, it's so re- original, the way they've done it. Instead of doing one... Like you could do like a you know four part album whatever that that would be called, yeah. and but they release us two different releases with pretty much the same cover with different colors. Yeah, yeah. That in itself is a great marketing strategy. Absolutely, yeah. So everyone was talking about oh have you seen the new album or albums you know oh you know got two different covers the artwork is amazing I think everything about that that release is just perfect they they nailed it. System, System of a Down did that in 2005, where they released two albums in the same month. It makes you think if they hypnotize the and mesmerize. Yeah. Same album, c- cover, 
concept, but yeah. different, you know, visual. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this is what Guns N' Roses have done. Yeah, influence. You know, if we, if you've got too much, um, if you've got too much material from a session, yeah. don't hang on to it and say, "Oh, we'll release it in oh, a year." Just, just put it out. It. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the kind of um, attitude that they've put forward. Maybe that's why it took too long for them to release anything else, because yeah. <laughs> uh, they got everything. They release everything at, at the same time. But <laughs> they ran out of yeah. songwriting prowess. They had such an impact. Think about it. So many yeah. good songs like "Don't Cry." Is that strange? Which which is my favorite Guns N' Roses song. Uh, Civil War. Civil War. Yesterday's. Yeah. Um, they do great, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, the uh, cover. Yeah, good choices of covers. Um, um, Knock on Heaven's Door and Live and Let Die. Who, oh, who, who does Live and Let Die originally? Uh, Paul McCartney. With Wings? Oh, come on, man. Um, with Wings? I, I don't know, probably, yeah. Oh, Paul, okay. That's, that's Paul McCartney. That's, that's the, that's the, that. That was uh, James Bond soundtrack. Oh, okay. That'll oh. be in the playlist, guys. It's too Take young. Forgive him. It's too young. <laughs> So that's that's Paul McCartney's song. If I don't know anything, it's good because I've got an excuse. Thought, Laz is one of those people who thinks <coughs> "Live and Let Die" is a Guns N' Roses song. Um, <laughs> I am so, until yeah, just now. Yeah, shocking. You know, shocking. I'm young. We're not, we're not going to edit this. He up. gives me the excuse. No, no, he's, of course too, not. he's way too young for that. Uh, so yeah, um, <coughs> excuse good, me, guys. <clears throat> good choice of cover songs, and uh, yeah, they. Totally nailed the, the whole album. The <laughs> other guy who joined the band, this important thing, uh, DZ Reed, the keyboard player, and I think he never left the band. He's still with them. Oh, really? And uh, when, when they went through different lineups after that, he stayed in the band. So he's a, yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to say about the Use Your Illusion albums, there is a, there is a growth. There is a, a sense of maturity. If you listen to Appetite for Destruction and then the Use Your Illusions the band is has so obviously grown and um, spread their wings because if you listen to Appetite for Destruction, as we said, it's your standard two guitars, bass, drums, and vocals. That's yeah. rock. In Use Your Illusion, they expanded their. I don't want to say them. Uh, let's say they expanded their musicality. Yeah, they were using female backing vocalists. They yeah. were doing. They had horn sections in their songs. Yes, ten minute epics, power ballads, um, string sections. Well, so you got strings. You got you got backing vocals. You, acoustic blues. There's a song on Use Your Illusion One, isn't there? It's just acoustic. Yes, blues, punk. It's all in yeah. there. Ballads. So, uh, I think Use Your Illusion is a fant. I I don't think it has. The best of Guns N' Roses on you might disagree because I think the best of Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction, Welcome yeah. to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, Night Train, Paradise I City. I think you illusion, see? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? but 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 that <laughs> that shows the consistency of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they didn't release many albums, did they? After Use Your Illusion, no, no. They after that they did the Spaghetti Incident, which, which was a covers was, album. Yes, and which for some people is their worst album. Yeah, and it's it's. It's not up to the standards of the previous one, for sure. Yeah. And that is the thing. People criticise them a lot about that. And then after that is when um, Slash left the band and Duff and all. You know, yeah, so and then that's when everyone... That's, it, it, and as I said to you, it becomes a business. One thing I said to you uh, on the way here was, um, is this, this, this thing uh, I believe Axel could have done, which is after Slash and Duff left the band, if Axel had done the other album... You know, Chinese democracy and the tours and all this stuff under the name Axel Rose, he would take a lot less criticism from people. 
You know, yeah. like you know, it could yeah. be his solo career. He could play all the Guns N' Roses songs on tour and still be, you know, oh yeah, he's the guy from Guns N' Roses. His name he's is dead. as famous as the band. That's true. But yeah. he, but I think he wanted to make a statement, like even this if his life is not here. Yeah, this is my band. I started yeah. the saying, "This is my my baby." Well, you know? the so after the success of Use Your Illusion, the band toured for quite a while. I mean, why wouldn't you? You got enough material there to yeah. tour the world. Then uh, in 1995, that's when the band kind of started splitting. All the big yeah. members uh, Slash went and did Slash's uh, Slash's Snake Pit, um, but that was with Axel as well. I think it was. No, um, no that no, wasn't okay. That's his solo so that was so Slash's Snake Pit is on his own. But then what else do we have? Slash and Duff. And Matt Sorum did Velvet Revolver, which is another oh, great a band. band. Yeah, a really what good a band. band. But the guy from Stone Temple Pilots. Yes, on the singer. Well, um, Scott something, isn't he? Scott well, Wayland, his name, I think. Uh, but yeah, um, interesting that the others saw that for the moment, Guns N' Roses needed a break. Yeah. Axel didn't. And like Felipe just said, Axel could so easily have gone on and said, here's my new album, da-da-da, by Axel Rose. No, he, he said, no, Guns that's Guns N' Roses. Roses. I want to keep the brand. I want to do it. That's, yeah. That was his attitude. Maybe he thinks he is the brand. Yeah. Which well, I'm sure he does, but you've got to think Slash <laughs> is the brand too. The hat, the curly hair and the shades, yeah. that's as much Guns N' Roses as Axel, man. Yeah, and for me, it shows how important the instrument is in a rock and roll concert. Yeah. The, 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 um, if you have if if you have a rock band instead of a pop band, people care about who is the guitar player, who's the yeah. drummer, who's the bass player. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so... I think it's uh, uh, it's remarkable how Slash, Duff, and even uh, Dizzy Reed and uh, Gilby Clark, who joined them for a short period of time, how those guys were important to the image of the band and to the rock and rollness of yeah. it all. So, yeah, I mean... I think the, the thing about the music, the instrumentation of a band, and this, for me, this is how I want to sum up Guns N' Roses. I'll ask you afterwards. Yeah. For me... Guns N' Roses have um, ordinary slash normal, not slash, slash, you know, excuse, slash. excuse the pun, <laughs> um, a forward slash, that is, um, uh, an ordinary and normal songwriting style. I don't yeah. think their songs, although you've got great songs like November Rain and Sweet Child of Mine, I don't think their songs are anything... Phenomenal. That could be Laz Unleashed. No, 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 because they are <laughs> wicked songs. Like, th this isn't a Laz Unleashed. This isn't saying Guns N' Roses are bad. Yeah, you're right, though. Second part, Laz Unleashed 2. <laughs> no, they're, they're not. Maybe I need to change my words. They are very good songs, but I think other bands could have written them as well. But for me, what makes Guns N' Roses is how good each member was at their instrument. Interesting. But I don't mean that in terms of. Um, virtuotisticness, which for anyone, virtuoso means a, a very, you know, if you're a muse, if you're a virtuoso in the violin, you are one of the top 1% of violin players. It means to be a virtuoso is to be a stunning player. So I don't mean that in that sense, yeah. you know, for example, would, would you switch uh, Jimmy Page and Slash? No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Would you take Duff McKagan over John Paul Jones? No, you wouldn't. Yeah. So I don't mean that they're the best at their instruments, but the jobs they do on their instruments together as a band. Izzy Stradlin is one of the most fantastic rhythm guitar players in yeah. rock and roll. The, yeah, and I mean, I, he doesn't, I, doesn't get that much recognition. Solo, yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, but he doesn't solo either. Why? Because Slash is the guitar player. Yeah. You were saying yesterday something about Slash purely being in the band for solos. Yeah, 
It's, that's, that's his job in the band. It's yeah. not songwriting. It's not. Uh, it's like coming up with riffs and solos. That's what he does. So this is and what I'm saying. So well. Each member of the band has their part to play. And although Slash will play rhythm guitar when he's not soloing, he is there for the solo. Yeah. The, the moment of the song, right, is solo time. Could it be a bass solo? No. Could it be a vocal solo? No. Why? Because the only member of that band who's there to solo yeah. is Slash. What I would, you know you're going to get a kick-ass solo when you listen to it. What I would say about them is, like, I think uh, Guns N' Roses took the rock and roll attitude to another level. Not saying that is a good thing. And um, Slash took guitar solos to another level. Yeah. Of making the guitar so relevant yeah. in the early 90s. And, ag- and again, really, really he was surrounded by pop music with no solos, electronic yeah. music full of yeah. synths. He, he Arguably, you could say Slash repopularized the rock guitar solo. Oh, yeah. He played know. with Michael Jackson. Think about that. Yes. So yeah. it's like he, he, he made the guitar, um, you know... A, Really, really, how can I put it? Um, I don't know, put the guitar in, in the spotlight again. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. You know. Anyway, right, we'll take another moment to do uh, and introduce another segment of this episode. Right. Uh, so here is this episode segment of Feed the Drummer. Right, well, here we are for Feed the Drummer. I'm just going to go and get the my, food for Felipe. It's always my favourite part, you know. That. This one won't be. Why? You'll see. Are you going to bring me some spaghetti? <laughs> Are we going to do this spaghetti incident? I could have done. Uh, that would be an easy one. Right, so... For our, for our visual viewers, here is the food. Right. What is the food? Well... Have a look at this. So it is a... Yeah, but I want you to know that this apple, this slice of apple, this slice of apple has salt, pepper, cinnamon, uh, onion, granules, and garlic. I don't want to try that. No, why? It sounds like a really weird combination. Okay, well, the thing you've got to guess is a Guns N' Roses song. Is it? I'm not, I'm, bro. I'll try, bro, this. I'll I'm try this. I'll it. try this. Don't do it. No, no don't. <laughs> I won't let you do it. He's gonna like have a have a have a. Is that a, Guns N' Roses song? Well, do you want to eat that? No. Why not? I don't know. No. I don't, I don't have that app to, appetite. <laughs> Uh, he's got that would have worked if you eat this piece of apple covered in pepper salt cinnamon turmeric then it would be an appetite for destruction yeah, but that would. unfortunately is not what I'm no. going for you're going for a song yeah it's a, it's a Guns N' Roses song god do you want to eat that piece no why not <laughs> it just looks weird tell me when you're ready for the answer oh, I'm, let, let me let me guess if no, you I ate that guess. what would you say I'd say it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, but why? You know, look, I've gone to the effort. It's, think about the specifics. Look at the plate. God, I can't I'm going to hold tell. it up for the viewers. I can't, I can't tell what you mean with that. I give Well, a- if you, okay, if you ate that, you'd say, oh, that's a bad apple. Oh, God. <laughs> that was... It was a bit obvious, but yeah, <laughs> bad apple. There you go, the dirty bad apple cover. But anyway, let listen, me eat some of the, the other. Ones. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> the other ones are lovely. Just avoid that one. All right, that's going to yeah. taste like oh, shit. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, wow. um, one thing we have to talk about though is the most expensive album in rock music history. Oh, yeah. Let's talk Chinese Democracy. Man, 
<laughs> you eat, you eat, you enjoy the apple. I'll talk about. So it how for a long bit. did that take? <laughs> so the production. Give us the numbers. The production for Chinese Democracy started in 1994, <laughs> and they used four different producers. And brace yourselves, listeners. All right, because this album has cost $13 million to create. And it came out in 2008. So 14 years in the making. That's a long time. I mean, we were a bit upset, uh, all of us, me, Jack and Felipe, that our new album has taken over a year to do because we wanted to get it done in six months. But 14 years. years. Jeez. Guys. Just imagine him. Maybe he does what Jack does and just keeps you know, writing new songs. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think it's a bad album. I think what what happened there, again, <clears throat> maybe me. that's the problem when you have just one guy in charge. Yeah. You know, so if Axel was, wasn't happy with the musician, he would replace the musician. Or wasn't happy with the mixing engineer, he would replace him, change the studio, write the song again, re-record the vocals, and it never ends. Yeah, uh, Fourteen years. What, though, one, that's a lot. one thing, yeah, it's a I lot. can understand what you said yeah. over two or three years, but fourteen. But the problem My is, goodness. I think in in art in general, you never you never finish a project. You abort the mission. Yeah. At some yeah. point, say, okay, that's yeah, it. Enough is enough. Let's release. That's why it's called a release. It's just like, all right, there you go. I'm releasing it. Yeah. So I'm going to let it go because I can't finish. <laughs> it never ends. But he, that's the thing. When you have no one to tell the guy, come on, man, that's enough. Yeah. And so he kept going for ages. Uh, the problem about that, I read a review at the time. Uh, it was like, imagine someone tells you, I'm going to tell you the funniest joke ever. I say, all right, can I tell? No, no, I'm going to make you wait. And 14 years later, they come to you and tell the joke. And I think, well, it's not that funny. Is it? <laughs> yeah. So the, way, yeah. so the thing is, it is a good rock album. I think it is a good yeah. rock album. Do you have a but favorite song on it? Is there one that you'd I recommend? Think, no, no. Uh, the, the, the title track is good. It's, it's in general. I mean, it's not specific about a song or another. It's, it's well produced. Yeah. I think his vocals are good. But then it's like, yeah. I mean, for... Waiting for that long, I expected an epic album. Yeah. It sold really well, of course. Guns N' Roses, you know. Um, well, Guns N' Roses, but it's just, just him, isn't it? Oh, and I'm yeah. going to do it again because it's relevant. Do, right. do that one, please. All right. So we now have another segment of the show. Lars Shorts. Chinese Democracy is not a Guns N' Roses album. Wow. (laughs) There you have it. All right. The whole point of this, of us doing this, is when I did the editing on the the first time I did Last Shorts, it might have been um, on the Queen episode. Yeah. I I made sure that the music... The, the, the jingle for Laz Shorts was yeah. longer than what Laz Shorts is, yeah. just to take the piss. Um, but no, seriously, again, you could this could be Laz Unleashed Part 3, actually. But um, it's... How can you put the name of Guns N' Roses on something where Slash isn't on it? Yeah. Or Duff. Or Duff, yeah. Or where's, the solo? where's the solo? Where's the solos? Yeah. yeah. You, if, you, if you listen to an album knowing that any guitar solo you hear is not Slash... Yeah. Again, you that that to me is not Guns N' Roses. 
There you it go. What That's what loads of people thought at the time. That's why loads of people are happy with their reunion for you know. Well, that's a great. Yeah, that's a really good classic um, way to move back. on because they actually, but they started that that they they renewed their interest in playing with each other because they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012 and they played together, I believe. Uh, and then four years later, 2016, the original members plus, but I mean original with Steve, oh no, so there was a drummer before Stephen Adler. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Oh, wait, no, they, I think, no, no I think, they did have like another lineup, but I don't know who the guy is. Okay, all right. Well, the classic lineup, Axel, Slash, Duff, Izzy and Stephen all went on tour in 2016, and they're still touring After now. all those yeah. court cases, it's amazing yeah. how people can get together for a bit of money. But this is actually the good result. Um, remember what we said about the Credence? It was such a shame that the court cases and the tribunals and the suing and the rights of the songs, it, it blew Credence up. It absolutely fucked them up. But Guns N' Roses, I mean, they've had a longer time to reflect than Credence. Yeah. You know, it was 95 that Slash did his thing, uh, and... Um, sort of broke off and then uh was it 2012 so 17 years later yeah he the things like... had settled they they thought they could bring the back the band back out again and they did and they're touring now and they're even they're in london next year um i don't think i'm gonna go because i don't know them enough but apparently that they are killing it their live yeah, shows well, are meant yeah. to be really good but yeah, again yeah. Great musicians, not just yeah. guys who have picked up a, an instrument and said, "Oh, let's write some music." They are a great band, committed to their music, isn't it? They yeah. Are. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I totally recommend Guns N' Roses for those of you who happen to be f from another world and they don't know about Guns. Do you have a couple of favorite songs? Uh Strange is my favorite. Like you said that already. Because, Do you have yeah, one? because it's oh, just like for the, the playlist. Uh, uh, so hard to pick one. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. No, I'm, I'm going to give you a few songs. You, you I, have I, a I thing. Believe. I'm just going to talk quickly about the Guns N' Roses legacy. Uh, I just got a few points here. Um, yeah, they have influenced so many bands. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know just some bands who I know have openly said Guns N' Roses influenced us. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold, uh, Fallout Boy, Black Label Society, Nickelback. Bullet for My Valentine, The Strokes, Manic Street Preachers. So we're now leaving metal and rock and going into yeah. pop rock, indie rock. They did so much. Um, as Felipe said, 100 million records sold worldwide. 100 million. That, that's not, that, that's not um, overnight success. That is a band yeah. who has worked to get where yeah. they are. Um, and again, I mentioned this before. A band full of musicians who rank within their field. Some think Slash is the greatest guitarist ever. Yeah. Some think Axel has a, 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 a case of being one of the best rock vocalists. Yeah. Duff as a bass player is well respected. Yeah. Izzy is a guitar player. Matt Sorum as a drummer. Yeah. So, you know, as we've mentioned this before in this episode, all the musicians uh, are great at their instruments as well. Um, the modern influences of, t you know, too. Sweet Child of Mine is the most viewed video of a 1980s music vid. Right. So any music video that was released between 1980 and 1990, Sweet Child of Mine has the highest views. Well, and as, as said, song. it's all about the music, isn't it? The video is so, yeah. so simple. There's nothing special to it. It's just them playing. Yeah. One, other, one other little last fact is that they only ever toured eight times. But the tours Some lasted three years. All right. But... <laughs> so that, that is... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're cheating. That, you was, a, that was a <laughs> clickbait. That's a clickbait title. Look, Guns N' Roses only toured eight times. <laughs> Click to find out how. Okay, the tours lasted three years. Yeah. All right. <laughs> eight, eight, eight tours times three years is a lot of years. It is. <laughs>
it's a, sorry a, for the click. It's mate. a life yeah. Um yeah. It, it, Here's the thing: um, uh, we we're gonna leave uh, um, a, a playlist, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Did you think yeah, about your two or three songs? Well, yeah, I did think. Uh, Two or three songs. I think I'm going to say more than that because it's it, hard do to it, pick. Do it, do it. These will all be in the playlist, guys. I love Night Train. Is it? It's is a fantastic song. With you, I you, spoke you. over you. What was the first Night song? Night Train. Night Train. Yeah. Great song. That Slash still plays in his solo career. I saw him playing it live twice. Um, I think uh, Patience is amazing because, as I said, it's that soft ballad that has nothing to do with the other songs and shows how can they write a pop song. Um Oh man, it's so hard. I mean, uh, yeah, you could be mine is something I, I need to mention because you got to watch the video if you haven't seen it okay. because there's Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator in it, Brilliant. and that in itself—that's enough reason. And it's like a drum intro, really loud guitars, and you know Axel shouting and all that stuff. So this <laughs> is the one you want to you want to hear. Fantastic song. Uh, it's so easy is another one yeah. that I like. I so, like. Um, I, I think Welcome to the Jungle is a great song. I also I, I like the hits basically, and I'm the casual Guns N' Roses fan. But again, the casual fan means as much as a dedicated fan. Well, I think I think I think because they that, they buy the, tickets the, to see the shows. Let's say the problem is the hits are, in my opinion, way better than the. There's a, a huge contrast between their hits, yeah. and the fillers in the album. Yeah. Some songs you listen to them, okay, it's well played. I like the song, but it's not. Beyond, let's be honest, it's not, they're not as good as the hits. Yeah. But the hits. I mean, November Rain, you can't top that, can you? It's like, what a song. Yeah. What Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise yeah. City is great as well. I love Civil War. It's a lovely song. And there's a song called Yesterdays, which I think is a couple of tracks yeah. after Civil War. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What a band. Really yeah, let's band. put all, all of those songs in the playlist These for people who are be... not familiar with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And for those of you who are fans and know more than we know about it, let us know what's your favourite song. Let us know we've uh, had, what we should know about Guns N' Roses. Yeah, but we've had, over the last few episodes, we've had people message us and email us and get us on our social media and just tell us little facts about things. Um, Try to remember what it was. Uh, yeah, so the, we did Led Zeppelin 2. That was episode three. Um, and one of our listeners got in touch and said, did you know what is and what should never be was actually about Robert Plant's secret affair or passion for his sister-in-law? So that's something we didn't know. So please, yeah, by all so means, yeah. get in touch. Let us know any facts or stuff that we missed out or that you think would be interesting. And we can add them to our social media pages as little extras. So Yeah, we're doing good. this to learn. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, any final thoughts on Guns N' Roses? Um, I think they're mandatory. If you're into rock and roll, even if you don't like them, listen to one album, start to finish. That's I, I think they... Um, I'm glad so, they existed to keep rock and roll alive. That's my favorite. One album, start to finish, use your illusion. That's six yeah, this, hours. This, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, the second yeah. one. Uh, my list, in my listening list, listen to Appetite for Destruction, use your illusion one and use your illusion two. And that, for me, you have a summary of what Guns N' Roses is. Even if they haven't done anything other than those three albums, they would still be yeah. essential my, for rock my, my, my summary of Guns N' Roses, I've said, I said it before earlier in this episode, and it's just the fact that I think they are a bunch of incredibly talented musicians who made the songs that they wrote better because of their talent. Again, this sound, earlier on, it sounded like I was slating their songs, which I didn't mean. Perhaps I, I phrased it wrongly. The songs are great. Don't but apologize, I think... Lass. No, no. That's I... what we expect from you. <laughs> the controversial shit. Yeah. Um, the, the songwriting is good. I wouldn't say the songwriting is incredible, but as individual musicians who have come together to execute a song, 
they all sound brilliant and the hits sound incredible. They are ultimately a hits band, I think. Yeah. If we were to categorize them like that, you know, yeah. you don't go and say, oh, listen to the whole of this album. You'd say, although we just did. <laughs> we just contradicting ourselves. I, I, I'm contradicting myself. No, no, I, I, I would listen to, to the albums. The albums are worth through. a listen for sure. But um, uh, the listen, gigs, you all know Sweet right. Child of Mine. You all know Welcome to the Jungle. You know, And they're a great live band. True, true. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Perfect. I think that's it for today. That's that, that sums it up nicely. That was a good chat, actually. I yeah. thought, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Because I'm not a Guns N' Roses fan, but it's great when we do research for the shows, learning well, about them. And That's what we do. I mean, the, the idea of this show is, is uh, um, for us as well, to learn and try to rediscover our passion for some band and, and, and for rock music. Yeah. And uh, try to understand why uh, uh, rock is still relevant, why... People need music in their lives, and that's uh, and that's the purpose of the show. Um, exactly. So we are here to have fun, and I hope you guys. Yeah, are perfect. Fun, so. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we have been the Long Live Rock and Roll Podcast. Uh, please follow us on our social media and stay in touch because we we post stuff relevant to the episodes and we do segments on our YouTube channel and everything. So we are at Long Live RNR Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can search the Long Live Rock and Roll Podcast on YouTube and Facebook to follow us on our socials. Um, Apple and iTunes listeners, we could really do with your help. Um, we need you, if you're enjoying the show, which we hope you are, um, to review us on the podcasts app because all of, due to all the algorithms and how internet computer shit works, if we get more reviews, we move higher up the listings. So if someone searches rock in the podcasts, at the moment we'll be quite low because we've only got five reviews. If we get that up to 10 or 15 reviews, we move up the charts. And if someone searches rock, we're closer to the top, so we'd be seen more. So Apple users, if you would be so kind as to review us on the podcasts app, we would hugely appreciate it. Um, but other than that, I think we're done here. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for being with us and keep on rocking, everyone. And as usual, guys, take care and long live rock and roll.